You're listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of SD Times. And now, here's Christina Cardoza, news editor of SD Times. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Joining me today is Julia Reinhardt, a tech policy consultant and privacy professional and Mozilla fellow. Hey, Julia, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Christina. Nice to be here. Now, um, I know you do a lot of work in the artificial intelligence and governance space. So I want to talk to you and bring you on the podcast to talk about the AI legislation coming out of the, the European Union, You know what this means for businesses, how this is going to impact the United States. We saw how much we were impacted when the European Union's general data protection regulation went into effect. So, you know, why don't why don't we start there um, before we sort of get into what's going on in this AI legislation over in Europe? Why is the United States so impacted by by these legislations and these regulations coming out of Europe? Yeah, it's actually um, it absolutely makes sense to start there because you have to see it as a developing um, tendency, and uh, so it absolutely makes sense to go back to the GDPR to to look at that. And um, the well, the GDPR was different from previous data protection rules in that it centers on the individual data subject, so the person and what rights that person holds with regard to his or her personal data. Um, and much of the technology that is used in Europe is from the United States. So uh, whenever a U.S. company holds data about residents of Europe, and they don't need to be citizens, they need to live in the countries of the European Union and uh, and uh, the economic area, uh, the company has to protect those personal data at the same level as it would be required to in Europe. So and that means that data transfers from Europe to countries with different data protection laws, like the United States, are problematic. Um, and a data transfers, a tra- transfer always happens when somebody in Europe uses an American uh, app, for example, or software. And um, so the European Commission has set up a, a list of countries that it considers adequate or having adequate uh, rules. And the U.S. is not part of them because of the reach the U.S. government has on personal data in terms of surveillance of non-U.S. persons. That dates back to September 11th. Um, so the GDPR, because it was there first as a comprehensive data protection rule, but also because it is more comprehensive and a little clearer than most other sectoral or state level privacy laws that we have here in the United States, it has become kind of like a gold standard in data protection. It, it allows uh, companies to build a data management system that makes sense, is relatively clearly understandable. I know this it's relative, but um, most other privacy laws are more complicated and more difficult to implement. So many companies in the U.S. have decided to apply GDPR to all their customers, no matter where they are located. It's also very complicated sometimes to distinguish where a user is located if you maybe only have their name or their email address. And um, so this could be the case for other upcoming tech regulation from Europe as well. Europe, in the end, is a market with a population of 450 million people, and that's very relevant to the U.S. and, of of course, also to other countries' tech sector. Great. Now, I know, um, you know, the European Union, they just released their their proposed rules and regulations and actions for trustworthy artificial intelligence. Um, Can you talk a little bit about what they are proposing or what's going on? far as artificial intelligence concerned? 
Yeah, sure. Um, so the European Union has a system of, um, uh, you know, the commission is the body that usually tables policy proposals, and then they go into negotiations with uh, the member states and the European Parliament. So uh, the European Commission, commission tabled its proposal on April 21st. So that's just a couple of weeks ago. Um, before that, it had a whole process of consultations, white papers, etc., input from experts. So that was very important. But now that now the proposal is out, it's on the table, um, and it's mo both the most ambitious and the most comprehensive attempt at reining in the risks linked to the deployment of AI that we have seen so far. It's also an attempt at encouraging the development of trustworthy AI, um, because that is uh, something that in de Europe is definitely needed. Um, the European market is so far pretty hesitant about that. But um, of course, you know, seen from the US, it's very important to see what kind of rules the uh, EU wants to introduce. So it's a bold new step. Um, in the past years, we have seen a lot of principles on an international le level. The OECD has issued um, principles on AI and the US adheres to that as well. But um, now I think that it's, it, you know, really um, the commission has seen we have to now transform principles into practical rules and regulations. Do you want to hear a little more about what these rules uh, entail? Yeah, definitely. So I know, you know, I've seen Google and Microsoft, they've made their own statements about trustworthy AI and their own principles. How, how does this sort of differ from efforts that have already been in place or um, companies already trying to tackle this issue? Yeah, it's true. I mean, a lot of companies, uh, including American ones, um, have seen in past years that um, AI development um, and, you know, its huge uh, speed um, uh, brings with it problems about, you know, trustworthiness and, and individual rights. So a lot of companies have set up their own internal rules, but these, and that's very laudable, of course, but these rules are hardly... Um, well, enforceable, of course, because, you know, there's no court that you could go to as a consumer to enforce these, to get these rules enforced. And also, uh, you don't know as a, as a customer, uh, as a consumer, um, really clearly which company has which own internal rules. So it is important that these rules become laws. Um, and, uh, the European Commission has, uh, decided to, to, uh, tackle the whole question of regulating AI um, with a focus on risk. So it's a risk-based approach. Uh, it means that, uh, first of all, you have to, you know, really distinguish between um, AI systems because, you know, AI is in so many different technologies. It can be very harmless and really useful and no harm at all. And then you have like really creepy things like facial recognition or deep fakes. Um, and so... Uh, the European Commission has uh, proposed an outright ban to uh, certain um, applications of, um, of artificial intelligence. And those are, for example, um, uh, remote bio biometric identification. That's mainly facial recognition, but also, you know, around other biometric um, features in public spaces by law enforcement authorities. I have to uh, define that this clearly. Um, there are some exceptions to that, but um, facial recognition in public spaces by law enforcement, so the police, 
that's a very important sector that uh, the Commission wants to see banned. Uh, social scoring, you know, we've heard that from China. That's a, it's a kind of a creepy application of um, uh, of people or groups of people uh, with a general purpose that should be uh, banned in the EU. And then other um, applications that do harm to a person by, uh, you know, manipulating them or exploiting their uh, vulnerabilities. So that's the bans. Uh, the bans are actually pretty limited. Um, the bigger focus is on so-called high-risk applications of a AI, and those are clearly defined in an annex to the regulation. Of course, this list will also be um, a matter of negotiation, but um, th those are AI systems used in the recruiting, employment, admissions context, and uh, creditworthiness, eligibility for public service, benefits, and uh, very prominently, of course, uh, law enforcement, security, and judiciary. And those high-risk applications of AI must meet a range of different requirements and undergo conformity assessments and also be registered in a public database because before they can be placed on the EU market. So think of it like, um, like an FDA approval for not for drugs or vaccines, uh, but for uh, algorithms. And um, so uh, the companies have to build, a, you know, kind of a requirement, a required system around those with risk management, data protection, data governance, um, documentation, record keeping, uh, human oversight, very important, uh, accuracy, robustness, and of course, security against hackers and transparency. So it must be possible for a person uh, to, to um, have a certain level of transparency around uh, how uh, algorithms are used on that and AI systems. So um, that's a whole list of what companies will have to do. Um, and it will mainly be around, um, an, around, well, they have to do it themselves, but then be in touch with the, with the, authorities in the EU to register those um, applications. And then, of course, um, there's a whole, I mean, the biggest, um, the biggest part of AI systems will be considered low risk. And for those, the commission regulation doesn't, uh, or regulatory draft doesn't um, entail any significant rules. But of course, um, you know, it depends on that categorization first. So what kind of impact is are these rules and regulations going to have on artificial intelligence being developed in the United States? Do you see once these go in effect, it having as big of an impact as the GDPR did when that went into effect? Probably. Um, I mean, data protection is a, is a very concrete um, sector where uh, rules can apply. So of course, GDPR, uh, uh, was there to to set that standard for AI? It's a bit more complicated because the the um, it's not as clear, uh, you know, to, to actually say what is AI exactly. So the Commission uses a definition, but then of course, uh, you know, the the US um, has to see whether it wants to use the same definitions, of course. But I think that the regulation will have ripple, ripple effects uh, beyond the EU's board, EU border. Uh, because it concerns any organization providing AI-enabled solutions and services in the EU or even to look into the EU market. Uh, the US is very present uh, in the EU market, um, just like, you know, the UK and increasingly China. Uh, so, yes, it 
it will be U.S. companies will be particularly affected. Uh, affected. Um, and I do also think that while Europe is now taking the lead in developing these rules that will govern uh, AI going forward, others will most likely follow suit, especially because um, people's calls for better protections from harms um, caused by, um, you know, this, these like opaque systems are growing louder. And I don't think it was a coincidence that just the day before the commission published its proposals, the US FTC published, uh, it was almost like a gentle reminder that it is watching closely what AI systems um, the companies put into use. Um, and I, I really hope that there will be some collaboration in making rules compatible between the economic blocks. Um, I'm pretty optimistic, actually, that there's some openness to, to look into um, you know, compatibility. Um, the U.S. National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, tweeted on the day of the draft regulations publication in Europe that he welcomed this uh, new initiative on AI and that the U.S. wants to work with the EU to foster trustworthy AI that reflects um, the shared values and commitment to protecting the rights and dignity of all citizens, be they uh, American or uh, European. So um, I'm pretty optimistic, but it will be a long way. So in the meantime, I do think that, of course, those European rules aren't in effect yet, by far not, because the commission draft is only out now. It could take a long while until um, it goes into effect. But uh, in the meantime, uh, U.S. companies should prepare for this. Um, not only the big ones, the small ones should look into what this um, proposal entails and what they can do to prepare for it, because this will most likely, it doesn't have to be a gold standard like like GDPR, but it's, it's out there now and um, many other legislators in other countries will look um, and see how, how this discussion unfolds in Europe and how, uh, what they can do to, to set up uh, rules that make sense. Now, I'm sure it probably depends on the types of um, applications or artificial intelligence solutions companies are building. But what do you think, you know, companies or businesses should really be taking away from these these proposed rules and regulations? You know, is there anything in there that you think should be applied to current development to AI? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that although this is a proposal and it's very high level, it's not always very concrete in all details, but it is definitely something, at least there's something uh, comprehensive on the table that uh, companies uh, can look at, can analyze and apply uh, for their own internal management. And that um, that would entail uh, several things, actually. Um, and I'm saying this not not only for the, the big tech companies that are out there that are already very present on the European market, but I'm saying this especially for the small ones because I worked in GDPR compliance when GDPR took uh, effect in the uh, in Europe, but you know with impact on the US. And it was mainly the small ones that weren't prepared and um, kind of were late to the whole, you know, adaptation process. So um, I think that um, it's important, first of all, to um, to establish a quality management system and that with the goal of ensuring uh, compliance uh, throughout the life cycle of an AI system. So they should look into uh, what um, what 
their categorization would mean. Um, so if their AI system would be considered high risk by the European Commission, and that, I mean, is easily done by a, a look onto that list that I mentioned in the annex of the regulation. Um, and uh, so if... Uh, if the if the system you're you're developing is considered high risk, it would be necessary um, to to really um, you know make sure that you have um, a risk management. So you you do the your uh, assessments. You have your processes in place. Uh, what to do in case of a breach? How to secure the system? Um, Etc. And also, in the end, once you know this uh, would all take effect, how to register it in the EU, um, and um, and also take corrective action or withdraw it if uh, you know there's something that is not as safe as it should be and not as clear and transparent as it should be. So conformity, even when the regulation takes effect, would in most cases be self-assessed. But this is not a free pass for developers because um, government watchdogs can request documentation or will be able to just like they do now in uh, for GDPR. And they could also require access to data or to source code when necessary and uh, ma mandate developers to take action. Um, so it absolutely makes sense to have this all in place and um, to have gone through the own AI systems to see uh, well, first of all, which category they, they fall in and also whether you have all those um, requirements in place. As I said, the kind of like the FDA approval list. Now, you mentioned, um, you know, it's, it's going to be slow going. It's probably going to be a couple of years before these rules and regulations actually go into effect. What can we expect next? You know, what what is it going to take for this to become into effect? So, yeah, as I said, so in the EU, you have this um, negotiation process between um, the member states, 27 member states and um, and the European Parliament. Um, of course, the committees have already started working on this draft. There's lots of different stances. So, yes, this could take a while. But in the meantime, uh, here in the US, um, you, you do have... Uh, rules on certain aspects of AI, um, not as comprehensive as the European uh, approach, but certain aspects like uh, bots, like deepfakes, like facial recognition popping up at the level of municipalities and also states. And, um, and so uh, I think, you know, they're not necessarily influenced by the EU draft, but I think that on the uh, um, the EU draft is the the most uh, comprehensive attempt so far. The US so far has an approach of dealing with those risks on a more sectoral level, and um, but with the same uh, thoughts in mind. Uh, citizens want to be more. Um, uh, they want to know when they interact with a bot, for example. There's a law for that, well, for certain applications of bots uh, in California. Um, they want to know where facial recognition is used. For example, uh, for law enforcement, there's bans in several U.S. Um, cities. Um, and I think this will be the case even more. I mean, privacy laws are popping up in a lot of U.S. states, and I think everybody's waiting for the federal level to 
really start looking into a federal privacy law. I know, I know this is a huge contentious is issue, but for the sake of uh, data transfers, for the sake of technology um, companies uh, functioning on an international level, we definitely need such a such a more comprehensive approach because uh, I'm I'm looking at the laws uh, at the rights of the. Uh, of people and consumers, uh, they want to know what rights they have and how to enforce them. Great. Uh, unfortunately, that's all the time we're going to have on the podcast today. But before mm -hmm. we go, you know, Julia, since you mentioned that things happening in, you know, Europe and the European Union does have an impact on the United States, are there any other tech regulations coming out of the European Union that we should be aware of, um, you know, right now that's going to impact the United States? Yeah, absolutely. So yes, as I said at the beginning, there's a whole tendency of um, tackling rules for technology, not for the sake of banning anything or stopping innovation, not at all, um, but for the sake of giving um, uh, citizens, uh, people, uh, real insight into how technology is used and how they can trust it. So in December, last December, uh, the European Commission uh, did the same as they did now in April with AI. They um, they tabled two proposals that will probably be uh, pretty impactful also for the uh, for the United States, and that's the so-called Digital Services Act and the Digital Markets Act. Uh, and those um, the Digital Market Act. Uh, Act uh, targets the lack of competition in digital markets, uh, so it affects the so-called gatekeepers, that's platforms with at least 45 million monthly active users, so we're looking big tech, and there it's mostly from the United States. Um, and the DSA is, uh, the Digital Services Act, is primarily concerned with transparency and consumer protection, so um, it's um, it's two, two proposals that um, represent also a major step forward in updating regulations for online intermediaries. And um, I already see, I mean, as you know, just like the AI proposals, these are just proposals and we're, we're now entering negotiations, but um, I see on the U S side, quite some discussion already of how, you know, not exactly this uh, rule or, but uh, similar rules could um, could be established in the U.S. I I know, of course, every every block makes its own um, rules, but for the sake of uh, both consumers and also for the companies, it would be great if there was some cooperation, some compatibility, um, because tech is uh, you know global; it can be accessed for, from anywhere, mostly. Um, so I would hope that there's cooperation uh, between the governments and um, for the EU it's a huge step already that they want to do it on a European level because it's you know sovereign states of course but um, I would hope that the EU and the US cooperate closely uh, in this because it will make us all safer and more uh, trusting in in the technology we use. Great well thank you again so much Julia for um, coming on the podcast and and talking about the regulations happening in the EU and how that impacts us over here in the United States. Uh, until next time, listeners, you guys have been listening to What the Devs.